Welcome to Football Scotland Daily, the podcast that brings you all the big news, analysis and debate Monday to Friday, just in time for your daily commute. I'm Johnny McFarlane and joining me today is the man behind the Twitter handle you love at Old Firm Facts, it's Adam Miller and Gaby Mackay. Gentlemen, welcome. How you doing? Hello. So, what are we talking about today? Well, where else could we start other than with Kelly and their revival under Steve Clark? We're going to talk about players who are leaving their clubs, Lee Wallace and Stefan Omionga. And finally, we will move on to Karamoko Dembele, the 16-year-old that has inspired so much discussion today after his performance against Hearts. So, straight on to Kelly Gaby. You were there as our roving reporter, our man on the scene. In amongst the Kelly fans, uh, it seemed like one hell of an atmosphere there. Yeah, it really was. The place was absolutely rocking. I think it fully uh, vindicated Kamarnock's decision to only give Rangers the Chadwick stand for the game. Uh, there was, I think, 12,248 in the ground. Most of them Kamarnock fans. There was a real a real uh, party atmosphere from the off and I think uh, I think it really translated to the pitch you know you saw the way Kilmarnock started they started really aggressively pressing high uh, sort of belying the stereotype that they're always sort of defensive against the bigger teams and you saw that with the goal uh, it was uh, Kamara caught in possession by Malumbu quick ball over the top and a goal uh, so yeah, I think uh, I think the, it was a really great atmosphere. Uh, the place is rocking like it isn't on that many occasions because it's a very big stadium for the size of town that Kilmarnock is. But yeah, I think they were fully fully justified the decision to cut the Rangers allocation anyway. We'll talk about the game first of all, Adam. Did you think Rangers were at the races at any point? I was pretty disappointed by the standard of their display. It looked like it was a sort of pre-season type game for them. It had that sort of mix of pre-season and end of season when there's very little to play for. Um, I thought the interesting thing about it was how it mirrored what happened the last time Rangers beat Celtic was the immediately, although there was the winter break, in terms of the fixture list, they went straight from beating Celtic to losing 2-1 at Rugby Park and they don't appear to have learnt the lessons from the last time. Obviously, Kelly had more to play for on the day with potential European football, but when it's your first season in charge, when it's such a high-profile role, I think Steven Gerrard would be pretty disappointed with the lack of effort. He'd want to sign off with... a performance that would give them more confidence going into the summer. Obviously they've proved in the games against Celtic that they are capable of competing, but consistency's been the issue and he'd wanted to build on the Celtic game and say, right we've ended the season only six points behind, we've shown what we can do. Instead it's just another reminder that Rangers can be pretty patchy. I think it's interesting as well, if you look at Rangers they finished nine points behind Celtic, they took two points from a possible 12 against Kilmarnock, so they've dropped ten points against Kilmarnock so I know it's not quite that simple, it doesn't work like that, but if you look at that, you know, you could look at the games against Kilmarnock as being certainly a big factor why they aren't closer to Celtic. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the things, obviously, with one of the things in regard to that game was uh, Rangers playing with a number of their fringe men coming in uh, to replace uh, players like James Tavernier, who played a lot of football, Adam. Do you think that that's the key thing for Gerard next season in terms of making sure that there's more competition and better quality uh, underneath that, that first team or is it a case that he needs to go out and just surgically take two or three positions? I think I think there's a bit of both there. I think Rangers, uh, as I was saying before, I think they've shown that with their best 11, as they had against Celtic the other week, that they can compete. 
However, I think that showed yesterday that there's a lack of strength and depth. Um, Kilmarnock looked hungrier. They looked tactically more disciplined. Rangers were getting pulled out of position. I think that was probably the only positive Gerard could take is it really illustrates what he needs to do over the summer and that strengthen. Gabby, one of the controversies from the game, one of the few controversies was the penalty. Um, I thought it was a stonewaller when I saw it because I felt that... Um, the, there was a hand on Stephen O'Donnell's shirt uh, from Borna Barisic and he pulled it, uh, despite the fact Stephen O'Donnell maybe went down quite dramatically. What was your take? Yeah, I think I agree with you. He definitely sort of threw himself to the ground, but he was fouled. He'd got the better of Barisic. Barisic grabbed his shirt and O'Donnell is wanting to make sure he gets the penalty because a lot of time referees won't give penalties, particularly for shirt pulling, if you don't go down. So yeah, he's throwing himself to the ground. But it's a definite penalty and I don't think Rangers can have any complaints. I don't think Barisic can have any complaints. And I think Gerard did say, amongst other things, he did say after the game that Barisic had given the referee a decision to make. He did also say that O'Donnell dived, which for people familiar with Gerard's playing career might find a little bit ironic. But, you know, I think he was right overall in the thing that I think he essentially said, yeah, he dived, but it was also a penalty, which I think both those things can be true. I think as well, I think if the shoe had been on the other foot and it was Rangers getting a last-minute penalty with minimal contact, I'm almost certain Gaby would have said the exact same thing and gone, you know, it's just up to Morelos to make sure he wins the penalty. <laughs> Adam, are you uh, on board with this idea that Willie Collum got it right? Because I'm not sure I'm comfortable with all three of us agreeing on that. Yeah, I mean, let's let's not be too positive and focus on Willie Collum getting it right. You know, it's <laughs> you know, that's not what we're here for. But I think, uh, yeah, it was the right decision. It was a uh, he, he did over egg it slightly, but it was a foul and it was a correct decision. It's usually Kirk Broadfoot that's over egging oh. things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, one of the things that um, I alluded to in my introduction was that this is a club reborn. I mean, Steve Clark discussed at the end of the game when he had the microphone that his trophy from being Kilmarnock manager was not any silverware, but the fact that all three stands were, were pretty much full of Kilmarnock supporters. Gaby, is this something that can live on if Steve Clark does go. We're obviously in a situation where we don't know what's exactly going to happen with that. We Everybody is saying that it's a fait accompli that he's going to be the next Scotland manager. Nobody's but, saying fait accompli, they're just saying it's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think that Kilmarnock can keep up this spirit, this momentum that he's driven? Well, I think what he's done is he's shown that there is a lot of potential within Kilmarnock. I mean, I think people quite rightly uh, before he took the job looked at Kilmarnock as a club that just you know was on the down and down you know crowds had fallen through the years they were always fighting relegation uh, and I think Clark's shown that there is a support there to be tapped into you know Kilmarnock in a Scottish context are a big club and I think Clark's proven that so I think a lot depends on if he does go who the man who comes in is or woman I guess but I think that's probably unlikely uh, and if they can you know achieve even a fraction of what Clark's done that shows that there is the potential there I mean uh, just going back on the attendances we looked at I looked at the other games home games against Rangers this season so the League Cup game and a midweek league game they were 12,016 for the League Cup game 12,374 for the game just after the winter break that Adam was talking about and it was 12,248 yesterday so it's shown that even if you cut the Rangers allocation if it's a big enough game and there's enough on the line that command fans will turn out and you won't really see any drop in attendance, which I think is something they absolutely have to harness going forward. And that's why whoever the next man is, if indeed Clark's going to go, which we think he will, 
it's really important that the next appointment is the right one. You saw Billy Bowie being highlighted by Steve Clark at the end. Is he the most important figure in this, Adam, in terms of moving it on? He talked about him being the, the best owner he ever worked with. It's interesting, when when I was watching the Steve Clark uh, comments at the end of the game yesterday, it's unusual for a manager to single out the owner in the way that Clark did. Usually, usually there's some kind of sort of token reference to them you know that that everyone upstairs you know they've they've really helped out but you could tell that it was genuine with Clark and not many people have that and I think in terms of what Clark chooses to do next obviously people are expecting him to take the Scotland job and I guess that's probably what's going to happen but I don't see him although it's a different context club and international football replicating the relationship that he has with Bowie with the SFA, for example. Um, and I don't think many managers will have the relationship at their club that Clark and Bowie appear to have. So if I was Clark, that would be one of the things that would give me pause for thought. I think it's really important to note as well with Billy Bowie that his predecessor, Michael Johnson, was hugely unpopular with Kilmarnock fans. And so obviously results on the pitch are an important thing, but I think removing that element which... Some would say a toxic element. I'm not saying that because he is a lawyer. But <laughs> but removing that has brought a kind of feel-good factor to the club. So obviously results on the pitch will always be the most important thing. But I think Kilmarnock fans see a lot more fan engagement, a lot more community engagement. And I think Billy Bowie has been a real uh, driving force behind that. What are the names that are being discussed on the ground, Gabby and Kilmarnock, in terms of if Steve Clark does go? Is there anybody that stands out as a potential candidate? You know, Ali McCoist was pretty much uh, spent the entire two hours that he was on air, BT Sport yesterday, uh, and, and, and essentially advertising himself and his availability for the job. Yeah, I'm not sure he would be a popular choice to succeed Steve Clark. I know he played for Kilmarnock, and I think people generally like Ali McCoist. I think we all probably can say that we like Ali McCoist, but I don't think he'd be a popular appointment. Gary Holt's been mentioned, he's a Kilmarnock fan, he's a club legend, but again, I think that's going to be a downgrade on Steve Clark. The problem for Kilmarnock is it's going to be really difficult to get anyone even half as good. Is it as Brendan Rodgers for Celtic, but for Kilmarnock? Is the same scenario exactly? Yeah, it's, it's almost exactly the same scenario. I think whoever comes in, they're going to have a real job on their hands. And I don't think Kilmarnock fans expect to finish third every year. But you know, you look at what Clark's done. He's taken, he's taken the same squad that was bottom of the league when he came in. Essentially, I mean, of the team that played yesterday, I think only Malumbu wasn't there when Clark joined because uh, Backman was out injured and McDonald was in goals. So it's all been done essentially by work on the training ground, by coaching, and that's a really big ask for someone to come in and replicate that. And in terms of the players that are away, we know Chris Boyd looks highly likely to to, to leave. Um, we've already seen, uh, as we're going to discuss in a, in a moment, Aaron Tishbola. We've got Malumbu is on his way. Is there going to be a big turnover of players there? I don't think there'll be a big turnover of players because I think Clark's done well over the last couple of years to get most of the key players in the squad signed up to new longer term contracts. I mean, I'd imagine they'll be interested in some of the players from what they've done over the past, you know, 20 months or whatever. Players like Eamon Brophy, Stuart Finlay, uh, player, uh, Greg Taylor's another one, Stephen O'Donnell perhaps. I'm not saying that all those players will go, but if they do go, they're under contract and Kilmarnock should at least be able to get uh, good fees for them. 
Just confirm that Kurt Broadfoot, uh, banter merchant extraordinaire, uh, he will be remaining at, at Kilmarnock yes, for next I season. Yes, I believe he will be remaining at Kilmarnock for next season. Excellent. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh. Adam's not Putting having in a that transfer one. request after a week of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Apologies. Right, well, we're going to move on to some players that, have, uh, that are leaving their clubs, and we're going to start off with uh, Lee Wallace, Adam. He's had eight years at Ibrox. He's had some ups and downs. Um, what's your take on his departure? I think it's quite sad the way it's panned out for Lee Wallace over the last couple of years. You could see when he came on a couple of weeks ago, he got the last three minutes of a game a few weeks ago. Was it the Aberdeen game, was it? Um, it whoever it was he came on against, there was a massive reception for him from the Rangers fans. Um, whether as in terms of his ability he's at his peak just now I'm not even sure because he's barely kicked the ball over the last couple of years but Rangers haven't looked settled at left back for a while and I really struggle to understand how Lee Wallace couldn't have come into that team and played more than the few minutes that he has played this season obviously we're not privy to everything that's gone on behind the scenes at the club we don't know why he was bombed out exactly in the first place obviously we know that there were issues with Marty, Kenny Miller and all the rest and we don't know the ins and outs of that um, but that has obviously carried over into the the Gerrard era but Lee Wallace will always be remembered by Rangers fans for taking that drop with them when most other people wouldn't have been willing to do that because um, it was a genuine sacrifice that because he was 24, 25 heading towards the peak of his career it wasn't yeah. like Lee McCulloch who was coming to the end and could have, and was able to become Rangers captain and was still on a very, very good wage that he maybe wouldn't necessarily be able to get anywhere else Lee Wallace could have got a better deal down south Absolutely, I think uh, that's why Lee Wallace will always be heard, held in high regard by Rangers fans, I think he's he's proved he when he went down to the lower levels, it wasn't like he just was content to pick up his wage. You know, he was scrapping down there, and he was a you know kind of driving force, playing among players who were considerably, generally considerably below his level and his ability. And mm-hmm. most of the time, when you're talking about the more experienced players that were part of that Rangers team, his work rate as well. They, were, they weren't necessarily some of the guys that came from a higher level that were playing alongside Lee Wallace and our Rangers team didn't necessarily have the same work rate or influence that Wallace did. So I think he deserves to be well remembered and it's just a shame how it's worked out for him over the last couple of years. He certainly could have moved on at that point, but maybe Lee Wallace just realised that the grass isn't always oh. greener. <laughs> Adam has put in a transfer request and that's <laughs> certain. Um, I, I'm going to break him with <laughs> terrible puns. <laughs> yeah. In all seriousness, though, there um, has been a lot of discussion about why Lee Wallace hasn't been in the first team picture. Gerard's dismissed um, any idea. I think that that there was other reasons behind it. However, Wallace's wife has come out today on Twitter and and, and mentioned that there were other reasons that will maybe come out in, in the fullness of time with regards to his position. Obviously, he was involved in some sort of... Um, Argument or altercation uh, after the the uh, Rangers Celtic semi final. I think it was four nil Celtic, five nil Celtic after uh, at the game, uh, and uh, this was in Graham Murty's time at the club. Do do you believe that he would have been held back for some sort of disciplinary reason, Gabby? Do you think that's that's viable or feasible? I think I think that's really could can be the only explanation because he certainly is a better left back than Andy Halliday. There's no question about that. 
And Bonabarisic, for all he's a good technical player, I don't think is impressed at all this season. He's very poor yesterday. Yeah, he was really poor yesterday. Um, so I, I don't see any other explanation than Gerard has been told or has decided for himself that for whatever reason, and we're not going to speculate, but for whatever reason, you're not to pick Lee Wallace. I mean, I think he's made about three, four appearances this season. I thought he might have started yesterday, given it was a meaningless game for Rangers, that he could have been given a send-off, which I think he does deserve. I think he deserves to be seen as a club legend for what we've spoken about, but he didn't He didn't get a run out. And so I think the only explanation can be that Gerard's been told or has decided, look, Lee Wallace doesn't play. Okay, another player that's uh, seen a um, farewell on social media uh, today is uh, Stefan Omionga. He's on loan from Genoa. He's been at Hibs for the second part of the season. I've been highly impressed by his energy, um, his work rate, his commitment, uh, and his quality. When I've seen him play, he looks like a real, real find uh, for someone. Belgian, I think he's only in his early 20s. And he's talked about uh, he won't say goodbye um, but he wants to thank the Hibs fans for their backing. Adam, is he someone that's impressed you? And uh, do you think Hibs will look to keep him on for another season? I think he's a classy player. I think you can see when he he doesn't panic when he's in possession. I think he's an intelligent player. Uh, also very good at the piano, if you've seen the yeah. videos. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think if there's a possibility, you know, judging by the people I've spoken to and the reaction online, I think every Hibs fan's keen to keep hold of him. I suppose it'll be about finances, Gaby. You've got a, a a young Belgian under twenty one, former under twenty one international, who's come to Scotland and really excelled for Hibs. He's in Syria already. It might be finances get in the way. Yeah, I'd imagine Hibs can't afford to pay the kind of wages that he'll be on in Serie A. Uh, it depends, I guess, what happens with Genoa. The club's up for sale. They're sort of battling against relegation, but. He had pedigree when he came in on Mionga. He's played in some big games for Genoa. I think he played in the Derby. I think he played away at Juventus. I think he played away at Milan. So it was evident when he came in that he obviously was a, a very good player. And whenever I've seen him, I agree with you. He's just, you know, he's technically great, physically great. You know, he looks a cut above a lot of uh, midfielders in this league. Yeah, it's a, almost a surprise to me that he hasn't been linked with one of the big two in Scotland. I know it's a kind of obvious thing, but you would expect that they would have strong links to is on their doorstep we've already seen that Rangers have a predilection towards signing players that have got experience in the league so you'd have thought Omiongo might have been on their list well it's a classic trajectory as if there's a player playing out with Celtic or Rangers who is generating a bit of hype who is beloved by that club supporters they're often destined for the bench at Celtic Park or Ibrox <laughs> um, for Omiongo's sake I think uh, I don't think that's the right move for him at this stage of his career and I think uh, as I said if Hibs can keep hold of him they'll have a really good player on their hands but I mean you say that that assumes he wouldn't get in I mean for me he gets in that Rangers midfield I think he's a better player than Ryan Ryan Jack Jack is and I mean in fact you know yesterday they started with Jack and Halliday in midfield which goes back to what we're talking about a a lack of depth I don't think Jack or Halliday would get in the Kilmarnock midfield never mind getting in the Rangers midfield ahead of Omionga I think Jack uh, I, I Take your point on Omionga and Jack, but I think uh, Jack's 
popular with Rangers fans and people would just fall back on this kind of thing oh he gets stuck in you know that kind of that kind of thing will always give him a a, a you know a kind of a advantage with the Rangers fans but yeah I, I take your point I think Omionga is technically possibly a better player yeah, Ryan Jack is uh, good at the neat and being neat and tidy and sticking his foot and making challenges. But I think his position in this current Rangers midfield, where they've got Stephen Davis uh, more in a deeper lying position, I think they could probably do with somebody with the energy of uh, an yeah, Omionga rather. Not, he's not very quick. Ryan Jack is the other thing, so he, he'll do the physical stuff. But if he, if he ends up having to track back, he can get done a lot of times. I mean, he got ghosted past by Stephen O'Donnell yesterday. I'm not saying he's a bad player. But I'm not sure if you want to be if you're Rangers and you want to take that next step. I'm not sure Ryan Jack is the player to do that. And yeah, I, I mean, there's been no links to Omionga. We're not. I have no information that they're going to sign him. But if they did, I think I think he'd be. I think he'd get in that team ahead of Ryan Jack. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to move on now to a 16-year-old talent at Celtic who has been causing a lot of discussion on social media today. We've had Tam McManus uh, deliver his column today, and he's talking about. Karamoko Dembele being one of the most exciting young players he's ever seen but that there are pitfalls when you're that age and that while um, it's great to have talent, hard work beats talent every day of the week if talent doesn't work hard Um, He's been reading someone from my work's Instagram posts (laughs) (laughs) Live, laugh, love (laughs) That's what I'd advise Karamoko Dembele (laughs) Gaby, in terms of what you've seen of this kid's how exciting is he? Because it's not just that he's 16 and he's in the Celtic team. Isn't it that he's something completely different from what we normally see from a, a Scottish type player? Yeah, he absolutely is. I saw him in the Youth Cup final. I saw some of uh, some of his performance yesterday. And there's no question he's an exciting talent. I think, I mean, it goes without saying, given he's 16, he's clearly a raw talent. I mean, you saw yesterday, there was a couple of times, I think, where he probably looked to shoot when he could have picked out a pass, which I think comes with then experience. But I think it's also, we have to be careful not to put too much pressure on him, to hype him up too much. I mean, he wouldn't be the first kid, a young kid, to come through and be touted as the next big thing. I look at Ryan Gold, he's barely done anything at Hibs since coming back from sporting, going further back to championship manager days, Freddie Adu, who was playing the MLS at 15 and was supposed to be the next big thing and never quite made it. So you can you never can tell if a player who's that good at that young age will keep developing or if that's their ceiling. So I would say, you know, the kid's 16. I'd say we probably want to avoid putting too much pressure on him, but there's no question that he's a really exciting talent. Well, let me go over to our official wokesman on this. Um, Adam, what's your take on pressure versus genuine excitement over a talent? How do you find the balance? Um, I I think uh, it is a delicate balance because... Saying things like uh, you know we need to give him time to develop and you know it should should be a while before he becomes a regular in the first team doesn't get people reading articles doesn't sell newspapers doesn't get people watching TV shows it's not a it's not a kind of attractive story it's more attractive to say this is the new Messi and this is the guy who's going to absolutely destroy Scottish football for years to come and he may well go on to do that but as Gaby says you need to really be cautious with that kind of narrative particularly when they're young it's not just a case of the fact that they're still developing physically and they can be more susceptible to injury it's also the fact that you're not fully developed uh, psychologically at that age and you start having everyone around you telling you how brilliant you are I don't care who you are at at, at that age that's definitely going to have an impact when I was 16 I was an idiot and there's 
plenty of people who will say that I still am at this age. But when I was 16, I would n- there's no way I would have been mature enough to cope with people around me all the time telling me that I was not just great, but that I was going to definitely achieve brilliance. So I think it's really important that Celtic have the right people around them, not just in terms of his physical development and getting them involved in the, the right level of competitive fixture, but also having people around them who will be giving him advice, who maybe experienced players who will be able to take him aside and say, you know, you did this well today, but I would next time I would maybe rather than constantly looking to shoot, think is there a better pass on? And experienced players will say I dealt with this kind of pressure. I did this kind of thing. I came through. My debut was when I was 17. Even someone like Kieran Tierney, whose debut, I think, was 17 maybe when he made his first Celtic appearance. Kieran Tierney's a big presence in that Celtic dressing room. I think there's a certain responsibility for guys like Kieran Tierney, even though he's still quite young himself, to say, well, I'm an example of someone who was a highly rated youngster and who's now made it as a fixture in this team to maybe take Dembele aside. Maybe he already does this and just say you know, here's how to keep a sense of perspective, here's how to keep yourself grounded and achieve what you're capable of achieving. Yeah, I thought it was really striking when you saw yesterday, you saw the obvious talent, but he did look like a wee boy out there, Uh, not in terms of his footballing ability, but in terms of his stature, and you know, Adam's right in what you say, you know, if you're you're 16 and you've got people constantly telling you you're brilliant, I mean, I can only imagine what that was like, when I was 16, people were telling me exactly the opposite, (laughs) (laughs) but... You know, it's a lot of pressure to put on the kid, and yeah, I think I think it's just one of those where there has to be a little bit of responsibility in the way it's covered to try not put too much pressure on him. Yeah, because we've already seen how this can go with Islam Farouz, which wasn't that long ago, and started out Celtic was the next big thing. Fourteen, fifteen years old, got his move down to Chelsea, and then has effectively disappeared off the face of the footballing planet. Now. I, I think he's a free agent just now. I think he was released by someone in Belgium or something in January. I can't, I can't quite remember. Yeah, he's, he's, he, his career has stalled to the extent that he's just really not on anyone's radar anymore. Uh, I think the loan to Hibs kind of showed that he, uh, he his talent was uh, perhaps not quite up to the, the, the level that he'd got himself to. And uh, certainly, currently without a club, his last club was Swindon. Uh, Swindon Town, he left there in 2017 at the end. So it goes to show that, as Tam was saying in his column, if you don't knuckle down and you don't have the right mentality, then uh, it can have a major impact. But I suppose it's difficult in this day of social media with Instagram, without sounding all your data about it, um, not only do you have uh, internal factors in terms of people in the dressing room or people around the club or fans, you've got external factors there as well in terms of uh, social media. I believe he's got 250,000 followers already. And uh, that must be quite difficult to deal with that level of adulation, especially when you're when you've not really uh, been used to dealing with it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why you have to hope that he's got good people around him that can you know a keep his feet on the ground and you know let him know that you know social media is not real life uh having social media followers is irrelevant to playing football it's something that will come with it the fame and the adulation but that only comes as a result of doing it on the pitch so you have to hope that and we've seen it with young players before where the you know the agents close to them whoever's close to them can be a bit unscrupulous and sort of just looking to exploit them and I don't know anything about uh, Dembele's agents or representatives or family, so I'm not casting any aspersions. I'm just saying you'd have to hope that he'll have people around him who will be able to keep his feet on the ground, uh, including within the Celtic dressing room. You know, somebody who 
can if he has a bad performance can kind of raise his spirits a bit and possibly give him a clip round the ear if he steps out of line do you get the sense that Celtic are looking to slowly but surely now edge him into the first team that this is the first step on a long road Adam I, I think so I think uh, I mean he's been at the club since he was 10 he was playing in the under 20s when he was 13 um, I, I think with I think with Dembele and Celtic I think uh, they're, they are conscious of his age and there have been when you say he's been there since he was 10 it was six years ago you well, know? it doesn't <laughs> quite have the same impact as no. you know Daniele De Rossi this, being at Roma since he was 11 true. this is true uh, but yeah I think uh, with Celtic there's been a clamour for a while from anyone who's seen him at a lower level saying this guy's ready for first team football and I think Celtic have deliberately held, resisted that. Would, there's probably been games this season where Karamoka Dembele has enough talent uh, to have made a difference in certain games this season. But that would have been a sort of short-term victory for Celtic that might have had a detrimental impact on him in, in the long term. Giving him 45 minutes in essentially a meaningless game... I think that was the way to bed him in. I don't think Dembele's now going to expect that when the season starts up, he is now a regular part of the first-team squad. I think that was... This is the least pressure we can throw him into in terms of a league game, in terms of a senior game. Give him a taste for it. See what it's like to play on that pitch against guys who are far bigger and stronger than him and see how he copes. And I thought he coped very well with it. Yeah, it was highly impressive. Well, that's all from us here at Football Scotland for today. We'll be back tomorrow before 4pm, just in time to make your daily work commute that little bit more bearable. You can get more from us at the Football Scotland website or on our social media channels on Facebook and Twitter at football underscore Scott. To ask a question or make a comment to us individually, you can get me at Johnny R. McFarlane. You can get Adam at Old Firm Facts 1. And you can get Gaby at Gaby Mackay. Until tomorrow, thanks for listening. <laughs>